This is Career Lab. I'm Levi Maya. For our first show, Bobak and I have my longtime friend and creative co-conspirator Noah Mark to kick things off. Noah is a TV producer in Los Angeles. He'll share with us his own origin story and take us behind the scenes for a look at the huge variety of tasks that producers are responsible for on a TV show. Stay with us and find out if you have what it takes to be successful in the often high-stakes world of production. Welcome to Career Lab. I'm Bobak Babahanian in the Lighthouse Studio with Levi Maya. Levi, first show. We, we finally did it. I know. Um, kind of nervous. I don't know why. Like, I know everybody here, but I just feel like uh, pre-show jitters, you know? It's a big deal. Do you remember where we were when, when we got the idea of this? No. I, I was riding a flamingo. Oh, that's right. In Mexico. With a cocktail in my hand in a <laughs> that's pool. That's right. And you said, Mark, you know, remember this moment. Yeah, we were floating in a pool in uh, in Mexico, right? And I want to make sure because, uh, you know, we did a pilot just to kind of run through some technical stuff. And one of the, the pieces of feedback we got was that um, people didn't know that we were in the same room. So, like, high five, Bob. We're right here at the Lighthouse Studio. And... Uh, we were we were joking because I had to go over to Bob's cam Bob's uh, set to <laughs> adjust a microphone, and it's like I moved from I moved from my into Bob's <laughs> my box into Bob's box. But anyway, um, our first guest is a dear friend of mine, someone I've known for a long time. Um, so let's just get right to it. Um, Noah Mark is a TV producer. He's brought us shows like The Ultimate Fighter, the doc series UFC, 25 Years in Short, The Great Food Truck Race, Hell's Kitchen. He's currently show running season two of Fast Home Rescue with NFL safety Trey Boston on the Weather Channel. Uh, welcome to the show, Noah. Thanks for being here. Hey, guys. Yeah, thanks for having me here. Congrats on the show. Congrats on your awesome studio setup where you guys can travel through time and space and high-five each other. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, Bob, you want to lead us off with uh, some of your questions? I know Noah, so uh, fair disclosure here, um, I've known Noah since 1999. We went to Boston University together. He was kind enough to uh, be here on the show with us today as our first guest on the uh, Career Lab podcast Um and right after college, Noah went went right into uh, TV production and has been working since uh, the early 2000s, which now is like a long time ago. And uh, yep, that is weirdly, <laughs> weirdly 20, 20 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which seems impossible. And I feel like I, I can't be that old, but I am. Here we are. Yeah, here we are. Yeah, Noah, I notice people mm -hmm. that have the same profession describe it differently. Um, so I, I'd love for you to just, you know, for our, for our listeners, our viewers, just how would you best describe what you do? Random in a word, it is very random and it changes moment uh, to moment, certainly day to day. Every project is unique. Um, the, the one consistent theme uh, is storytelling, right? And and that's the same whether you're doing um, scripted, unscripted, whether you're doing comedy or uh, news, documentary, doc series, competition. I mean, there's there's so many genres of uh, television right now. I mean, there are more genres now than than when I started in television. Um, you know, you hear the term like reality TV, for example, that used to sort of conjure an image, 
now if someone says that to you, you don't, you wouldn't even really know what to think of, right? Are you thinking of like the Kardashians? Are you thinking of Hell's Kitchen? Um, are you thinking of a documentary series? Like there's, there's so much unscripted programming that there's all these like sub genres now, um, sort of similar to the, the way you have unscripted, uh, you know, you have dramas, you have comedies, um, horror, there's all different sort of genres, uh, within the genres um and so i think that's why the first word that, that came to my mind was random because it's, it's ever changing um and i would assume that it as our media landscape gets more and more bifurcated we'll have even more types of programming certainly um like the sort of a, a main unifying thing used to be program length right like you would have a half hour you'd have an hour time slot to fill and that was kind of a, a standard thing now with streaming, that's not the case anymore. Um, and there's a lot more short form programming being created for uh, distribution on YouTube um, or other platforms. Uh, Quibi um, took a big swing at this. Um, yeah. <laughs> sadly, did not work out for them, but I think it will work out for someone. For viewers who don't know what Quibi is, tell us a little bit about what uh, what happened with Quibi, what their, their program format was and, and why it didn't work. Well, there are probably a lot of people who don't know what Quibi was because it wasn't around for very long. But um, Quibi was short for Quick Bytes, and it was a uh, it was a, a streamer. It was a distribution platform that was built around the idea that people will watch very short form uh, television on their phones. The same way you scroll through social media, you might look at Instagram Reels, you might look at TikTok for a couple minutes. Um, Quibi was uh, television programs, but they were broken down into like two or three minute episodes. Uh, and it's one of the most spectacular failures in, in the history of corporate America. They, they raised uh, $2 billion for their launch, and they were out of business within a couple months. No, basically, nobody signed up for it. Mm-hmm. This was um, her name, Meg Whitman and some other uh, very wealthy individuals, right, that participated in, in this? Yeah, it was her. That's funny. I'm blanking out the guy's name, too. But yeah. um, it was her and... I can't I think, think of his name. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think Bob and I have a bit of production experience, so we know what a producer does, but I have, you pr- must find this, right? People, You tell people you're a TV producer, and they have no idea what your job entails. So what do you do on a day-to-day basis, and what do you do throughout the course of the different stages of a, of a production? Producer, as a term, actually means many different things, which is probably why people aren't exactly sure what you mean when you say that you're a producer. There are uh, producers who are um, financiers, essentially, and their role is um, funding a production. They are, by financing it, they are a producer of of whatever it is, film or television. Uh, And then there are producers who are working day to day on actually making the product. They are producing the show or or the film. And then along uh, those lines, there are many levels of being a producer. Um, for example, in, in television, uh, when you start out, your first producing title is, is typically a, an associate producer, which is essentially you're an assistant to other producers and you're doing producing work, but you're kind of doing um, the, the lowest level of it, the most sort of straightforward, um, sometimes just logistical things, uh, helping put the, the filming process together. Um, then after associate producer, you typically become a segment producer where you are in charge of a part of the show, but not the whole show, like literally just a segment of the show. Um, After segment producer, uh, often people move to being a field producer. 
field producer is usually someone who is directing camera. Uh, a segment producer is not usually directing camera. Segment producers are producing whatever they're in charge of. Um, but it's much more like coordinating producing. You're putting together all the elements um, of, of whatever it is that that's getting made. Uh, my first segment producing job, I think it was my first one, was on the Showbiz Show with David Spade. Uh, and so as a segment producer on that show, you were working with the writers, making sure that the script was something that you could producible, that, uh, that was producible, um, that you had a location where you could film it, uh, that the talent was prepared, that wardrobe and hair and makeup and everything that needed to come together for that segment to happen was ready to go. And so as the producer, you're kind of overseeing the production. And that's why your title is producer. Like you are the one who is producing it. So it's a very sort of literal term. Um, after that job, I, I did that show for three seasons. After that segment producing job, I, I sort of got a bump up there to field producer where you're doing all of those things, but you're also then directing camera. Uh, and, and directing the action of, of whatever it is that's going on. Typically after field producer, you then have a title that is just producer, which is kind of weird. They, I think they just make as many levels as possible to like keep people <laughs> from moving up too quickly. A lot of it, you're doing the same thing. Once you get to the producer level, you could producer could mean like anything. It could be that you're just really a, just a segment producer. But if you've been a producer for a long time, you're going to get that producer title, even if you're just responsible for a very small part of the show. Um, the producer title could also mean that you're responsible for a ton of stuff, uh, but you just haven't gotten the bump up to the next level yet, which is supervising producer. Uh, supervising producer, you are overseeing several things uh, on the show. Mostly you're overseeing producers, teams of producers, um, it's sort of it's a it's more than a middle management type job, but you are middle management. You're still answering to your bosses, who are the co-executive producer and the executive producer. Um, co-executive and executive producer; those titles are are pretty much interchangeable. Um, it and they just sort of speak to your um, level of experience, how many credits you have, uh, the title that your agent is able to negotiate for you, those sorts of things. But your responsibilities as an executive producer or co-executive producer could be exactly the same. Um, and so it's what just I mean, kind of like where you came from before is based on if you, if you've been a executive producer, then that will be your title kind of on your neck, hopefully on your, your next job. It should be. Yeah, it should be. It's really whatever you're able to negotiate for yourself. Mm -hmm. And there are several factors that play into that. So for, for younger folks, you know, hoping to, to get into this business is, you know, for them, is it okay, the, the goal is executive producer? Or have you found that some folks find a sweet spot of a different producer role that they enjoy, and, and then that's what they do, end up doing? Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of people, I mean, you could be a producer for your entire career. Um, there's, there's no reason that anyone should take on all the headaches of moving up um, those ranks and, and dealing with the things that a supervising producer or uh, executive producer are, are dealing with. Um, I think a lot of people are really happy being a producer and that's a, that's a great life. And um, it, a lot of it probably has to do with like work life balance and, and things like that. And it's just sort of, it's up to you, like whatever, whatever you want to take on. I, I would think that most people that are working in production as producers most of them want to become executive producers um, because to to get into production, you have to be a pretty um, driven person. You know, it's it's not a corporate environment. It's it's a place where everyone has to be a self starter. You know, you're working like from one project to the next. 
things wrap and then you're like back to square one. Um, and what I mean by wrap is either you finish a season and that season's wrapped and then you're hoping to get renewed or the production doesn't get renewed, which happens to most shows. And, and then you're in between gigs and looking for your next project. Um, so you have to be hungry to want to do it. And I think, I think because of that, it mostly attracts people that want to ultimately become an executive producer. But what happens to a lot of people um, who work in production is that they don't work as producers at all. You know, most people who work in production are not producers. Uh, most people who work in production are either in the camera department or the audio department or um, they're in production design or, you know, they're doing hair and makeup. There's There are so many jobs. Writers, obviously, all the writers are on strike right now. Um, there's... Uh, there's more jobs than you would think. Like once you get onto a set and, and see how busy it is and how many things are going on, um, the bit of advice I always give people who are interested in production is, is to start as a PA. Um, because as a PA, uh, you know, you're, you're sort of the lowest position on the ladder. You're assisting everyone on set. There's no one on set who isn't your boss or at least like your, your superior. And it gives you exposure to, to everything that goes into production. And what you realize very quickly is that your day-to-day -day is entirely different. Like nothing, like, like if you're in the camera department, it's nothing like being in the writer's room. Um, it's a great or, crash you know, course. Being, it's a great crash course, yeah. Yeah, or being a director or producer, like these, these jobs are just there, even though you're all there working together, your, your day to day, the things you're dealing with, um, are, are just so different. Um, that's one of my favorite things about it. Sounds like you wear a lot of different hats. Which hat gives you the biggest rush? Uh, well, it's funny. It's not a title I mentioned yet, but it's, it's show running. Uh, showrunner is a term that's used for the executive producer who is the person who is in charge of the day-to-day -day running of the show. Uh, the reason that that term is used, it's just an industry insider term. You never, no one's ever credited as a showrunner. You're credited as executive producer, but on every project there, there are multiple executive producers. Um, usually the creator of the show, uh, is tied in as an executive producer. They have a financial stake in the show. Um, the uh, financier of the show is an executive producer. Uh, they also have a financial stake in the show. The showrunner is an executive producer. They usually don't have a financial stake in the show unless they also created it. Sometimes the creator of the show is is uh, the showrunner. But the showrunner uh, is often just a hired gun, um, someone that comes in to execute the vision of whatever was sold. Um, and to me, that is the most kind of fun, like exhilarating role. Uh, because as the showrunner, you're responsible for everything. Like, and you have to know enough about all the different departments that you can coordinate it all together and, and make it happen. Um, and the position of, of executive producer as the showrunner is where the two sides of, of the business meet. So you have in show business, you have like the show you're putting on, and then you have like the business side of it, the, the financials that make all the show side of it possible. And so you want to have a really like happy relationship between those two sides. Uh, and you want to make sure that you're, you're maximizing the budget that you have and getting the best, uh, most interesting product possible out of those resources, um, that you can while not going over budget. Um, you know, making sure that you're spending money wisely, making sure that everything looks good, that it sounds good, that it's compelling, entertaining, you know, are we spending enough time filming this? Um, so you're, uh, you're constantly like talking to everyone, um, you know, all your story producers or your writers, um, 
then you go into post, you're talking to your editors, uh, you're giving notes on the cut, you're really, you're forming the whole thing. Um, so, and I've, I've done lots of different roles. I've been a writer, director, camera operator. Um, and I like all of those things. I think to be a good showrunner, you have to like all the different elements, uh, that come together in a production. Um, but what I like the most is, is being that person that's, that's coordinating it all together. So every good story or in every good character has an origin story. Tell us a little bit about your origin story. How did you get started? When did you know that this was for you? Well, I didn't know it was for me, but the way I got started was in high school. Uh, I took a video production class. I was lucky enough um, to go to a high school that had a production studio uh, in, in the high school. And it was on the ground floor and it was sort of like a black box theater um, that uh, they had a couple cameras in and then there was a control room and, and uh, editing room. Um, and we did all different types of production. We did a, a news broadcast. We did a, a claymation short film. We did an animated film. Um, we did some scripted stuff and everyone did all of the different roles that go into production. You were on camera, you were behind camera, you were operating camera, you were producing a segment, you were... Uh, writing something, you were editing something. It was it was an amazing class. It's it's, sort, it's not the sort of thing. Maybe now it is. At the time, it wasn't typical uh, for a high school to have a, a class like that. Um, so it was a it was a cool opportunity, and I I loved it. I just had so much fun in this class, and I think you know it's it's fun. Producing television is fun. So I think a lot of people in the class probably enjoyed it. Um, but for me, it, it really it really struck a chord as something that like you can do for a living. Um, I have a couple of family members who are uh, producers. And so I, I knew that that's what they did for a living. And I think a lot of people in the class were just thinking of it as like, Oh, this is something fun. Whereas I was thinking of it as like, Oh, this is something you can do as your job. Um, and I, I liked school generally. And I, I liked a lot of different subjects, but after taking that class, I decided that that's what I wanted to major in in college. Um, and so then I, I applied to, um, film programs that I only applied to film programs when I was applying to, to college and was lucky enough to get into Boston university where I met Levi. Um, so it was, uh, it was that, it was that class. There wasn't like a moment that, that, that I can think of, but it was that class as a whole that really made it obvious to me like, well, this is what I think I want to do. And then I think that got even more solidified when I was in college. Um, I, I loved going to BU, loved all the, the kids in, in the film and TV program um, that I was going to class with and working on projects with. And then every summer while I was in college, I would do an internship. Um, I interned for uh, Court TV and, and MTV uh, and, uh, and, and a bunch of different um, broadcast networks and cable networks. And seeing the pace of, of like everyone working and like, it was just so exciting and everyone was like really passionate about what they were doing. Um, maybe that's when it really felt like more serious, I guess, as opposed to just like, Oh, this is something I think I might want to do. But I, I think it was those internships, but even in those internships, there wasn't like, like one moment that I can think of where, where I felt like, Oh, this is what I should be doing. It's more just like, Oh, I love doing this. Like, I hope I can keep doing it. Mm -hmm. 
Do you think there's uh, some some common traits that that producers share? Definitely, yeah. Um, there are several common traits, especially that that showrunners share. Um, one is a just a love of storytelling. Um, showrunners. I don't know any showrunners who are introverts. Um, showrunners just like people. They like being around people. Uh, they like being busy. Um, they don't all handle stress well, which I think is weird because it's a very <laughs> stressful job. Uh, so you would think that if you want to have that job, you would be someone who's not too bothered by being in a stressful situation. But I've worked for showrunners that almost like are the opposite of that. Like they're like completely constantly just spinning out. Um, but they must enjoy that for some reason. Um, <laughs> But it's yeah, it's really just the the um, the love of storytelling and the love of people and and just being surrounded by like a, a bustling, busy environment all the time. Speaking of storytelling, what are the chances you still have the video of your high school animation project? Ooh, that's a good question. Someone has it. Um, <laughs> it was a uh, it was a western, and we did the it was. Um, basically like a, um, what are they called? A duel, like at, at high noon. Um, and one guy shot the other guy and that was it. Tell me about some, <laughs> we, we love, <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> no, it was so much fun to make. It was, I mean, it's just such a simple thing, but we thought it was so funny, you know, like just like high school kids and, um, I can't remember who was in the, my group that we made that with. Um, but I just remember that we thought it was hilarious you probably couldn't make something like that now i would hope not i don't know it's different different times part of the work that you do um that we haven't really talked about is happens even before you think about turning on a camera and that's developing television shows and i know that's where um you know some of your um energy goes into tell us a little bit about what it's like to develop a show that doesn't exist and then dealing with the setbacks that come along with that. I love developing. A lot of people don't. Um, what I love about developing is that anything is possible. So it's like you're you're truly, literally just thinking of things that you might find entertaining. And I even like the process of like you'll have an idea and you'll think, oh, that's brilliant. Like I just love this idea so much. And then like two days beyond when you have the idea you won't even like it anymore like at all like that's oh, terrible like i'm just throwing it out and there's something kind of like refreshing about that process it's like this constant rebirth of um of a vision because it's you know especially once you've produced a lot of television it's not just like a random idea it's like you have this idea and then you can you can see it on screen and you can see it even like on set like this is how we'll put it together um and so you're you're kind of playing this out in your head and then sometimes it keeps working and, and you'll go through the process and then you'll, you'll get your pitch materials ready. Um, Levi and I have, have done this a bunch together. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's really fun to, to think of something that you feel like would, would be a program that people would enjoy. You get it together uh, and then you start taking it out. You start, um, you start pitching it. Um, Pitching is fun. You know, you get to like be in a room with people. Well, now you're not in the room with them anymore. Now it's sort of like this. You're sitting in a home office somewhere and you're talking to a, a computer screen. Um, so that's kind of weird. I, I enjoyed pitching more when you were like in the room with people because you're kind of like reading the room and seeing what they like. You can do that a little bit on Zoom. It's not quite the same. Um, but I like that process of like, here's this idea. I think it's great. Like, don't you also think it's great? Um and and then they usually don't. They usually don't buy it. Um, 
But uh, they usually, yeah, so nine times, <laughs> 99 times out of 100, they don't buy it, right? I mean, like you said, yeah. most shows don't get made, and then even shows that get made don't get renewed. So the chance of having something that is a successful, long-running TV show is a little bit like an NBA career, right? Yeah, that's a pretty good analogy. Um, there And there's, all, there's other steps in between that, too. Like I recently, last year, uh, sold the show, had it picked up by Hulu, but then it never went into production. They basically they um, they acquired it from myself and the guys we were we were pitching. I was pitching with, um, and then we went into this like long phase of finance development um, where they uh, gave us a certain amount of money and we built the whole thing out. You know, down to the very like minute details, nuts and bolts of like this is the staff we're hiring. It's this many people. It's here's the production schedule. Here's the overall budget. We did different versions of that. Uh, you know, that went on for months, and then at the end they said, you know, never mind. Like we, <laughs> I don't even really know why they passed on it. Um, they always give you no reason, but it doesn't make any sense. It never makes any sense. I've I've never heard an explanation that I thought like, oh, that sounds like why they really passed on it. <laughs> Um, I'm so, really, oh, sorry. I'm, I'm really intrigued by the pitch room. So when, yeah. when you're, when you're in that room and if, if 99% of the, the pitches don't get made, do you feel more than, than 1% of the time that it may happen? Do you get false senses from the group or do you usually know right away? You almost always get false senses from the group. It's very rare that a pitch meeting like goes badly. I I, I don't know that I've, I could really even think of one that like went well. No, that's not true. Um, I can think of a couple that I guess you would say went badly. Um, when when we were when we were pitching that show that I mentioned that Hulu picked up, um, we pitched to who was it? I think it was like Peacock, um, and we were supposed to be pitching with like there's usually like three or four people that you're pitching to um only one of the people like came to the meeting from peacock and then uh she bailed from the pitch meeting like <laughs> like less than 20 minutes into the pitch meeting she sort of said like oh this has been great she i have to like, go like peace i gotta go yeah i got i gotta go i got another thing yeah oh, um man. but even that like no one's ever like impolite or says like oh i don't like that idea i've, I've never i've never seen that happen mm-hmm. oh wow um, so, yeah, no, I would say like just like 99 times out of 100, it doesn't get bought. 99 times out of 100, the pitch meeting goes great. The people are laughing at all your jokes and like <laughs> saying like, oh, that would be so exciting. And then and then nothing. And then, yeah, and then nothing comes of it. But the nice thing is, is that unlike an NBA career where you have to either make it or break it by like 25 years old, you have a much longer period of time to keep trying these ideas and and to advance your your um, your initiatives. Right. So. Yeah, as long as you're alive, you can be pitching TV shows. There's no, <laughs> there's no, there's no cap on selling a, a show or a film idea. So, you know, young people listening, what is the first step? You mentioned like for you, it was an internship. Like, is that still true today? What's the best way to get your foot in the door if you just have no idea about production? You don't know anyone who works in production. Like, what can you do coming out of high school, coming out of college? Um, internships are great. Um, the nice thing about now that we didn't have is there's, there are a lot of jobs that are posted online. 
Um, that didn't exist when, when we were graduating. I mean, the, we're not that old. The internet existed, but like <laughs> you, you couldn't just go online and look at like what things were in production and, and apply for PA jobs and things like that. Now you can. The other thing you can do now is like pretty inex for not much money. Pretty, it's pretty inexpensive. You can produce your own content. Um, that's another thing. Like we we produce some stuff on our own, um, but just based on like the you know the um, cost barrier to like good camera equipment. For example, when when we were just coming out of college, there's no way we could have made something that would have looked professional mm-hmm. um, when we were 22 years old. Now you could. Um, you know, you if you want to be if you want to be a director, you should just go direct a film. Would be my advice to you. Like you, you can find people that will be in your film. You can even find a writer to write your film. Like people are dying to to get their stuff made. So if if, if you're not a good writer but you really really want to direct, I would just network with other people who want to get into to film. Find a writer, find a script you like, a script you believe in, cast it. You know, no one will get paid, but it'll be all young people who are hungry. Um, and at the end of it, you'll have a film. And there's like festivals that you can enter and you can, you know, get your work out there early on. It doesn't have to be like a feature film with a full special effects in, in order to get yeah. some kind of recognition. No, it can be a short film. Um, we, we Levi and I met two young filmmakers. Uh, one of the festivals that we got into with, with our film um, had a screening at L.A. Live and our film was the the featured film in our time slot but before our film they played two short films um and both of those filmmakers were were very young i don't remember their names but they were um they were great they were fun films to watch they were cool people to meet and so i would say if you want to if you want to make films you can just go out and, and do it um tv is different you can't really make your own tv show like you have to have a distributor attached you can make your own TV show and you can just put it on YouTube or something like that. But I, I, I have yet to see a, a financial success story of anyone doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless you want to be a YouTuber. That's different though. That's not a TV show. That's a, that's its own thing, but that's another option that didn't exist. Um, when, when you and I were coming out of college, like if, if you wanted to, you know, to be a YouTuber, you can do that now, you know, you can literally just shoot your own content and put it on YouTube. And, um, if it catches on, you can make a ton of money doing that. Any mentors in your life that, um, had a significant impact, people you work for, teachers, anything like that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, the first mentor uh, is one of my uncles. I mentioned, um, uh, earlier, I have a couple uncles who are, um, producers, uh, my uncle Andy is a, a, a huge uh, mentor for me. Um, I've uh, worked with him a, a couple times on a, a few um, development projects. Uh, when I was younger, I worked for him once. Um, I was an associate producer for him on a show called Life of Luxury, uh, which was a, a really cool series. It was a, a magazine show, so like a documentary series about wealthy people. It was sort of a, a reimagined version of Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous Um mm-hmm. And he's just, he's a super smart guy. He's a, a really, really intelligent, sharp producer. Um, so he was, he's, he's probably the, the, um, the biggest mentor I've ever had um, in that role. Uh, but there are certainly others as well. Um, the others are, are producers that I just kind of met along the way. Um, when you're starting out in production, you're working as a PA. Um, the most important thing that you can do is get to know the producers on your show um, because those producers are going to be the people who you will reach out to for your next job 
when whatever you're currently working on gets canceled or, you know, wraps or goes on hiatus or whatever it is. Um, and so there are uh, a couple guys um, who were great mentors uh, that I met just working on different shows. One of them I met working on uh, the showbiz show um, with David Spade, the one that I mentioned earlier. Uh, and then the other guy I, uh, I met working on a, um, a competition, uh, reality format. It was a, it was a sort of hybrid competition, hidden camera reality format. It was called true beauty. It was on ABC and the twist of the show was it was a beauty competition where you got all these gorgeous people together, uh, to, to try to beat one another at being the most beautiful. But what they didn't know is that they were secretly being evaluated on their inner beauty. Um, mm. So all of the challenges had this outward thing that they were doing um, that was like the physical beauty competition, but that wasn't really how they were being judged or evaluated. They were really being evaluated on how kind they were to their makeup person um, who was having an issue. They, these were all actors that we had hired, you know, the, the, the makeup, makeup person. person was, yeah. yeah. The makeup person would have just gotten a call and um, you know, their husband is divorcing them and they're like breaking down crying and we're seeing how the person um, reacts in that situation. They're about to go out on a, a runway to do a fashion show or something like that. And this person who's supposed to be helping them is having their own crisis. So like, like how do they deal with that? Um, so it was, it was, it was a clever show. It was, um, it was a fun, interesting show. Um, Oh, which brings me back to why I said random when you when you first asked me, like, how would I describe what I do? Um, and it, because it's not just random in like the nature of this sort of gypsy lifestyle where you're going like from one project to the next or doing very different things day to day. It's random in in like the content that you're making could not be more different from like the last show you did. Um I've done shows, uh, I've done like home building shows, whereas the executive producer, we didn't have enough clients who had contracted with our house builder. So I ended up selling houses uh, because I needed people to be on the show. And for them to be on the show, they had to hire this guy to build them a house. Um, so it's stuff like that, like things that you would never think of. But because the end goal is always like making the show happen you're going to do whatever it takes to make that show happen. Mm -hmm. What's something about being a producer you wish you would have known when you started your journey? That's a good question. Um, I really didn't know anything about being a producer when I started my journey. <laughs> I, I guess I wish I had known at least one thing. Um, <laughs> I wish, I guess I wish I had known um, like what the job really entails, but it's the sort of thing that it, it really takes on the job training. And it was, it was this process of discovery where, you know, starting in that, in that high school video production class, it started with a, just this simple notion of like, Oh, I like doing this you know, let me see if I can keep doing it. Um, and then the longer you do it, the more you learn about it. And it's kind of, it sort of reveals itself to you, like as you're doing it. So it, I guess it would have been cool to know what I was getting into, but it, I don't know. It's sort of all worked out in the end because I like it. Yeah. Um, anything else that, you know, we didn't cover that you think that it would be important for someone who's 
interested in this career or just really anything else that uh, you want to mention before we go? Yeah, I think it's really important to have this balance of like keeping an open mind, but then also having like a laser focus on what you think is the best way to do something, Um, which is a hard thing to balance because when you're a showrunner, you have to have like very clear leadership um, to your whole staff of like, you know, this is what we're doing. Um, But because your staff are hopefully all like expertise in their field, you know, your audio supervisor and your director of photography and your director and your head writer and all those people, um, you have to have an open mind to listen to the things that they're telling you. And you have to be smart enough to know like when they've got like a better way of doing something than you might have had your preconceived notion. Um, Because I've seen a lot of executive producers fail at that where they're like so focused on like I'm the leader and like we're just doing it this way and they're just making everyone miserable and making like a ton of mistakes along the way. Um, You have to have that level of like command of your staff because if you're like wishy-washy and waffling on things, then no one's going to listen to you. So it's this, it's this fine line of like knowing when to like, have that open mind of like listening to other people and how to balance that with like the leadership that it takes to, to bring this team of people across the finish line of a production, which is always challenging. Cool. Noah, thank you for being our first guest on career lab. It's uh, been an incredible bit of time here learning some things about you that I didn't know, even though I know you're fairly well. Yeah. Thank you so much. Noah. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me on. I can't believe it's already over. It flew by. Um, It was super fun. Good luck with the show. I'm excited to see uh, many more episodes. Cool. Thanks. Well, that does it for our first um, edition of Career Lab with Levi and Bobak. Thanks for being here with us and look forward to a new episode, hopefully each week, right here. And Bob, you know, you are really good at looking at the camera. It's clear that you have on-air experience because you're you're looking at the camera and I'm looking at I'm not trying to do it too much because it's a podcast, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's also the only thing in front of me and you have 11 things. <laughs>